Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, October 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. is going through a historic leadership change. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. India tells Canada to withdraw more than half of its diplomats. Plus, the Chinese property giant Evergrande is having a no-good, very bad month. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Kevin McCarthy is the first ever leader of the House of Representatives to be ousted from his post. Eight of McCarthy's fellow Republicans voted for a motion to vacate on Tuesday, along with 208 Democrats. The FT's Lauren Fedor is back with us to talk about the repercussions of this vote. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Mark. All right, so can you walk us through what happened yesterday? Yeah, it was a pretty dramatic turn of events on Capitol Hill. Late Monday, we knew that Matt Gates, the Republican congressman from Florida, was making moves to try and oust Kevin McCarthy. He was introducing something called a motion to vacate, which is basically a fancy term for this procedural tool to try to remove a speaker. One of the caveats with that tool is that it triggered a kind of 48-hour period in which the vote could be held. Come yesterday morning, Kevin McCarthy made clear that he was not going to delay. He was going to force this vote early. The House will be in order. And what we saw were two votes on the House floor. First, there was another procedural vote. The question is on adoption of the resolution. Those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, no. Gentleman from Florida, I'd request the yeas and nays. And then in the ultimate vote, McCarthy did fail. On this vote, the yeas are 216, the nays are 210. He was removed from his position, and that was the result of eight Republicans siding with all of the Democrats. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Right. And Republicans have the majority in the House, which is why McCarthy was Speaker. Who now leads the Republicans in the House of Representatives and is the next Speaker of the House? That is a great question. There is no Speaker of the House. You know, listeners may remember back in January when Kevin McCarthy was first elected Speaker and that dragged on for 15 votes. The reason that went on so long is because the House can't do anything else until they select a speaker. This grinds the wheels of legislating to a halt. You know, only a couple of days ago, we were talking about the fact that lawmakers had narrowly averted a government shutdown. Remember, that was only a stopgap measure till mid-November. Congress still needs to figure out how to fund the government in the longer term. They're still wrestling with aid for Ukraine. All of that can't really happen until this speaker issue is resolved. Lord, put this into context for our international listeners. How big of a deal is this? It's a huge deal. This is the first time this has ever happened in U.S. history that a Speaker of the House has been removed in this way. Now, it's important to remember here that McCarthy lost, but he lost even though the vast majority of the members of his own party wanted him to stay on. So it creates this really messy situation that 
could spell an impasse here. This could go on for quite a while if the Republicans aren't able to either re-embrace McCarthy or come up with an alternative that'll be satisfactory to the majority of the House Republican conference. Lauren Fedor is the FT's Deputy Washington Bureau Chief. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Mark. Stocks and bonds saw pretty significant sell-offs yesterday. The Nasdaq Composite closed down a little less than 2%, and the yield on 30-year U.S. Treasuries hit a 16-year high. But the sell-off wasn't just on this side of the Atlantic. European equities and government debt took a pretty noticeable hit on Tuesday, too. Markets are finally coming around to the idea that interest rates are, in fact, going to stay higher for longer. Solid jobs openings data in the U.S. yesterday drove that message home as the economy seems to be staying pretty strong. India has ordered dozens of Canada's diplomats to pack their bags and leave the country. This comes after India announced a visa ban for Canadians. The push to remove diplomats really escalates tensions that are already extremely high between the two countries. A few weeks ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said Canada was investigating whether Indian agents assassinated Hardeep Singh Nijar. Nijar was a Canadian Sikh separatist who was killed in June outside Vancouver. The Indian government has rejected the allegations. Canada has more than 60 diplomats in India. New Delhi wants the country to withdraw over half of them. Trudeau said on Tuesday that diplomats were necessary to work with the Indian government during this extremely challenging time. The fate of the Chinese real estate giant Evergrande is getting more and more uncertain. The company defaulted on its international debts two years ago and triggered a crisis in China's property sector in the process. Since then, Evergrande has been trying to restructure, but legal troubles have thrown a wrench in that. Here to explain is the FT's Shanghai correspondent, Tom Hale. Hey, Tom. Hi there. All right, Tom, so what's the latest on Evergrande? It is in the process, or at least was in the process of approving a restructuring plan for its international bonds. And that plan was derailed about a week and a half ago because the China Securities Regulator launched an investigation into the company in August, or at least it was disclosed in August. The other major development that's come to light in the last week or so is that the chairman and founder of Evergrande, Xu Jiayin, it's quite difficult to phrase exactly what's happened to him, but the company has put out a statement saying that he is under mandatory measures because of suspicion of illegal crimes. All right, so there is a lot going on here, and as you said, it's jamming up the restructuring process. What kind of impact would it have on Evergrande and really the industry more broadly if it doesn't restructure? So the international restructuring of Evergrande has real significance. It relates to international views and confidence in the Chinese process of handling these type of situations. And if the process fails, there's the possibility of legal action and a liquidation of some sorts. And there's also likely to be an even greater loss of confidence in mainland bonds from international investors than there already has been from this crisis so far. And what about Beijing? What are they doing to manage Evergrande's struggles? Yeah, so it's extremely unclear what the role of Beijing has been in all this. Various official voices over the last two years have repeatedly emphasized the need to complete unfinished residential projects. Because in China, the convention is to sell 
apartments and homes to home buyers, not only before construction is finished, but sometimes before it's begun. When a lot of these developers started defaulting and were unable to finish their construction, a lot of there was the risk of a lot of very angry home buyers. So it looks like in various ways they're trying to prioritize completion of projects either through local banks, through pressure on local governments, or through pressuring the developers themselves. But beyond that, and in particular in relation to the arrest of Xu Jiayin, whether it can be exactly described as an arrest or not, it's still unclear what Beijing thinks about it. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Tom, Evergrande's struggles have had massive ripple effects on the property sector. What does it mean that this critical economic engine for China is kind of imploding? Yeah, so far we've had a kind of two-year period of what can only be described as paralysis. The government initially was trying to tame the Chinese property industry, which had become extremely highly levered and showed signs of overheating prices. Now they've got the opposite problem and, and transactions have fallen significantly. Prices are threatening to edge lower. So the government it looks like it's increasingly concerned and is, is winding back some of its measures. But we're really still potentially in the early stages of this if prices begin to fall more significantly. If that happens, then you know we're dealing with a kind of different order of magnitude of a, of a crisis. That was the FT's Tom Hale. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, thanks so much. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.